You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer with York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. Earlier this week, the provincial government extended the COVID-19 emergency orders until June the 9th. Okay, we still can't dine out or gather in groups of more than five, but the recent hot and humid weather may have us thinking about vacation season. And you know what? Why not? The tourism sector is one of the most important economic drivers and job creators in this province. Our first guest on the feed is Ontario's Minister of Heritage, Sport, Tourism and Culture, Lisa McLeod. Minister, thank you for joining the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. A very important topic. As you know, many summer festivals, events, attractions have been cancelled or moved online. The tourism industry is trying to survive this pandemic. Do you think that's possible? You know, we will survive this pandemic, there's no doubt in my mind. As one of our uh, tourism uh, development officers within the ministry once said to me uh, earlier in the year, uh, when all else fails, tourism is always there and constant. And I think, you know, right now we were hit first, hardest, and it will probably take the longest to recover. Uh, But I think that there are some good news out there. I think that people are continuing to support our festivals as they move virtually online. Uh, We have, in the ministry, created something called Ontario.Live. You can go to that URL and see some amazing picturesque um, examples of of what Ontario has to offer, and, and we're trying to support that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're, we're facing a triple threat, which is the public health crisis, the economic crisis, and, of course, the social crisis. And so I think uh, we've got some of the most inventive and creative minds in the world right here in Ontario. They're trying to figure out a, a way for us to get through that. And I really believe we will. And I really believe that uh, better days are ahead for us. And as you know, cities, towns, communities all over the province are suffering. Some of their restaurants and hotels may even be forced to shut down. What help is available to those hospitality workers? Yeah, I appreciate that. I think uh, the federal government has come out with a number of initiatives uh, with respect to the wage subsidy, the CERB, and, of course, the rent abatement program, the rent uh, deferral program. Uh, and uh, more more uh, recently, we have come out as a, as a government with uh, safety standards that can be employed in the post-COVID-19 environment. Uh, we're going to continue to work with the industry stakeholders. I have a ministerial advisory committee on hotels and food service to to best address uh, some of the challenges that they're facing. Um, But I think it's really important as we start to eye recovery uh, that the first phase of of that recovery is really supporting local, supporting your local restauranter, uh, your local banquet hall that uh, may have to shift their model. And then as we start to uh, reopen our hotels, uh, to support them as well. And so I'm looking forward next week to being uh, having the opportunity to speak to the Finance and Economic Affairs uh, Committee of the Queen's Park uh, Legislative Assembly and uh, hopefully engage my colleagues in this very uh, thought-provoking process so we can see how we can best uh, uh, you know, adapt to a post-COVID-19 uh, reality, but at the same time look at the more interim measures we're going to have to take as we're still living through this disease. You mentioned a gradual reopening. Any idea of when they could reopen for business and what it will look like? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're always going to be guided uh, by the Chief Medical Officer of Health and the advice that we receive from our healthcare experts, and that's why we have slowly and gradually started to reopen the economy. 
and uh, some of the uh, areas within this ministry have started to, to do that, notably uh, campgrounds, uh, some sporting facilities uh, where there's a, an ability for social distancing. And, and as the Premier has said, uh, we'll continue to look at the numbers, and, and thankfully the numbers seem to have been going down the last several days. So we're, we're hopeful that uh, we'll be able to look at future phases of, uh, of this recovery and this reopening. And obviously we want to remain uh, you know, in touch with uh, the major associations across the province, as well as local operators, to make sure that, uh, as best we can, uh, that their their needs will be met. One of the things, though, as I've mentioned before, that has impressed me the most is the creativity and ingenuity of the people within the sector in this province. And looking at um, at uh, not where things were on the 12th of March, but where things could be in 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And so I'm excited about the possibilities in post-COVID-19 uh, reality of, of, of a major marquee year for 2021, looking at uh, the 50th anniversary of the Junos, for example, the 50th anniversary of Ontario Place, the 109th anniversary of the Grey Cup, all coming here to the province of Ontario and uh, really reigniting uh, that sense of adventure and tourism that uh, we have in the province. So how do we gain back consumer confidence and get them back out to those festivals and events? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question. Uh, music Canada has recently done a survey to say that uh, even music lovers who uh, thrive off of going to live music events uh, will be tentative in the return to that. So I think that there's going to have to be a lot of work uh, on the behalf of the ministry, um, as well as those of our industry partners that we have to, uh, when it's safe to do so, to communicate uh, that it is safe and that we have adapted new um, health and, and safety protocols uh, for not only the patron or the client, but uh, certainly for the staff as well. So we are, we're continuing to monitor that level of comfort that, you know, for example, parents may have in putting their kids back into organized sport or uh, what it would look like for somebody to want to attend a festival or uh, take rapid transit to an event or get back on an airplane uh, to travel between Ottawa and Toronto, for example, one of the biggest commuter routes in uh, in the country. And so these are all things that we're continuing to, to monitor. We're also looking at other jurisdictions and doing scans of what has worked there um, and what looked promising but uh, didn't endure the test of time and so we're uh, we're fortunate in the sense that we can leverage those international relationships as well uh, within the ministry uh, with a number of our agencies and attractions to look at that uh, and, and see what has worked and what has um, been able to continue to protect the uh, the consumer um, and the event goer um, and, and, and make sure that their health is, is still intact and while uh, this COVID virus uh, you know continues to ravage uh, a lot of parts of the world. Now, sport is also part of your portfolio. What do you think about the prospect of professional sports possibly coming back? Yeah, so I'm working, uh, you know, I spent uh, most of the week working with the CFL, um, the NHL, NBA, others uh, with the various uh, teams in our leagues across the province. One of the things that I can say with respect to their training and conditioning, and I think there's noting that, uh, you know, the NBA was the first with rigorous standards and protocols in place above and beyond what we have asked in, in terms of uh, public health, and they were able to start that training and conditioning. Uh, soccer was next, and now we're looking at working with the NHL and the CFL uh, to see how that may happen, and obviously we've also done it with our high-performance athletes. Uh, they're able to go back to training 
And so we're going to continue to work with them and make sure that they're adhering to the protocols that we put in place. But, of course, they they want to make sure that they're protecting their investments and their athletes uh, and, and their coaching staff. So one of the things I've been heartened about is in each of these conversations uh, is – uh, the professional sports leagues are looking at ramping up testing for their players uh, privately. Of course, they would pay for that. Um, contact tracing is very important for them. They'd like to have areas where uh, there would be a quarantine bubble for their athletes to be protected and safe. So I think um, as we continue to have this discussion and as it evolves, uh, there might be a, a, a safe and responsible return to play uh, for them. Um, as as many know, in hub cities, whether that's the NBA in, in Florida or um, hopefully Toronto for the NHL, that uh, that that is something that we're in active discussions with. And then, of course, we're starting now to turn our attention as well to what does it look like for children's um, and minor sports uh, to return. And so we're just waiting on Own the Podium and the Canadian Sport Institute as well as others to come forward with their protocols and what that would look like sport by sport. Because as you can well imagine, each sport is different. It's played differently and it's uh, uh, it has different equipment. So I think that will be um, just as we've done league by league with the professional sports, it will be done um, sport by sport at the, uh, at the amateur and, and minor sports level as well. Now, as you suggested, the NBA seems to be leaning towards their hub in Orlando, Florida. What is the likelihood? How realistic is it that the NHL could pick Toronto as one of the hubs? Well, look, I certainly have indicated to um, the NHL and to the Maple Leafs uh, uh, Entertainment Organization that we would be uh, supportive of that. We believe that the, uh, uh, the, the suggested protocols in place uh, would meet our criteria. Uh, it really is now a matter of um, the federal government uh, doing what the federal government in the states did, which would be relaxing the, the uh, quarantine issues uh, in those uh, hub cities and um, creating a quarantine bubble. Um, so, so we're just waiting to see uh, what the federal government does. Uh, I've been in discussions with the federal minister of heritage about this. So we're just, we're waiting to see. But I feel confident that if the NHL does come back to Canada during this COVID-19 environment, that Toronto will be the acceptable location. I mean, it, uh, you know, it, it, it somewhat pains me, but then it doesn't uh, because I, obviously I'm an I'm a Ottawa Senators fan. I'm from the city of Ottawa, but obviously uh, Toronto, uh, source of pride for us, the original six, right? The Hockey Hall of Fame is there. Uh, you've got a storied franchise in the Maple Leafs. So I think it would be the right signal. Um, for hockey to come back to Canada, and uh, when it comes back to Canada, that it would be played in the city of Toronto. Minister, as we wrap things up, what do you think the summer of COVID will look like? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I think we've seen a number of people uh, step up to the plate. Uh, the majority of Ontarians have adhered to all of those uh, requests by the Premier and the Chief Medical Officer of Health and in, in, into maintaining the social and physical distancing and um, isolating where required. And so I think if that trend continues, you'll start to see, um, you know, a gradual reopening of the economy. I, I think that's certainly everyone's hope. Um, and at the same time, I think we're, we're going to be dealing with, uh, as I've said on many occasions, this triple threat. So the public health crisis, um, the economic crisis that we're dealing with, and, of course, the social crisis. And that social crisis is going to be one that um, – my, my ministry will in particular start to uh, uh, monitor uh, as, as we have to look at what does it mean for uh, people coming together again 
um, whether that's through a celebration or watching the children's uh, soccer game. Um, so I think that this will be, a, I think, a, 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 an experience for us that we've never seen before. And my hope is that people do stay safe and that we use this time uh, to plan. And, and certainly I think 2021 is going to be the big year, which I'll be spending my, my summer trying to plan for 2021. And hopefully there will be an ability for us to salvage somewhat of a, of a tourism season um, at least uh, where you are able to, uh, you know, support your local attractions, your, your local restaurants, um, your local winery, your local craft distillery. I think that that's, uh, that's going to be the, the big issue for us. And, and hopefully, hopefully we do have a warm and beautiful summer as well. I think uh, Ontarians deserve some good weather and some good news. A triple threat indeed. Ontario's Minister of Heritage, Sport, Tourism and Culture, Lisa McLeod, thank you for joining us on 105.9 The Region. Thank you so much and stay safe. The summer of COVID-19 could look very different from any other summer that we've experienced here in Ontario. Beth Potter joins us right now on the feed. She is the president and CEO of the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario. Thank you for joining us, Beth. Thank you, and so much for having me. Tourism is a huge driver when it comes to the engine, the economic engine of Ontario. How much of a hit has it taken because of COVID-19? Tourism in Ontario um, has recently been evaluated at a $36 billion industry, and we expect right now that we are losing just over 50% of revenue for 2020. So how does that affect the businesses, but also the people who work for these tourist attractions and resorts? So currently, 65% of tourism businesses are not open, and 37% believe that they won't be able to open for the summer. And we've lost over 30% of our jobs right now. Um, 129,000 uh, people have been laid off. So your organization endeavors to do what on a regular basis, but in particular during this pandemic? What do you try to do for businesses? We try to uh, make the working relationship between businesses and government uh, an easier one to navigate. And so we are continuing that. Uh, we are the voice of the many uh, businesses, the 200,000 tourism businesses in Ontario, uh, to the provincial and federal government. So you're the voice. What are the resorts and the other parts of tourism saying to you? What are they voicing to you? Right now, there is a lot of concern around liquidity issues. Um, and while you know the federal government has come out with a number of programs, um, and they have made some changes to those programs to help more businesses uh, qualify. There is still a gap in uh, the funding requirements that these businesses are going to need to survive. Are any of the businesses saying to you, we don't know why we had to shut down? Many businesses are, um, especially those in rural locations or in more remote locations in northern Ontario, they, where they feel that there's a natural physical distancing already in place and uh, the local community has had you know, either low number or no COVID cases so far. And how do you respond to those questions? 
So we are simply we are at this point following um, the province's state of emergency, and uh, we are working very closely with both the industry at the local level, but also globally, around putting together protocols for reopening that uh, will demonstrate to government uh, that these businesses have put some thought into it and um, are demonstrating that they can open and operate safely uh, for their staff and for their guests. The state of emergency is continually extended. So how does that impact what you're trying to do and what businesses are trying to do to measure up? Well, it's a real challenge, especially for those uh, businesses that rely on American visitors um, and international visitors. And so uh, there is a lot of angst over um, the what does the demographic look like for visitors this year? Um, and, you know, are we are we going to be able to open up borders to any of our American guests? Um, and right now it's looking like that possibility is going to be very low. Um, and so we're very much focused on a hyper-local, Ontario-focused market this summer. So can you expand on that? What do you mean by that? So we're encouraging Ontarians to... Uh, travel within the province as far as they feel comfortable, whether it's locally, you know, within their community, get out and explore your community, visit those attractions and museums that are open uh, that you maybe have never been to before. Uh, and if you're looking for a vacation or a, a, a day away from your home that's a little farther afield, you know, think about the the multitude of destinations in the province um, that you haven't been to before. Create your Ontario bucket list and get out and explore the province. You know, it's interesting. uh, We're getting mixed messages from mayors around Ontario. Some are saying, come on up, come on in. Others are saying, please don't come near us for now. How do businesses respond to that kind of leadership? Well, there is certainly a lot of confusion out there. Um, and of course, when we talk about you know, getting out and visiting, we're talking about when it's safe to do so. Um, and we're following very much the lead um, that the premier is setting with the state of emergency. Um, and as he has reo- you know, given the permission to some businesses to reopen, um, we're following those protocols. But the the level of clarity around who who can say yes and who can say no as to whether you can be open or not for a, as a business um, is a little uncertain. There are definitely municipalities that um, would like to uh, keep their doors closed for a little while longer, and there are others that feel that they're ready to open, and so businesses are struggling um, to understand where they where they fit. Uh, in that context. And is that where you come in? Are you able to be kind of a liaison between those making the rules and those trying to abide by them? So that's, we are trying to do that. Um, it's, uh, when it comes to the municipal level, it's a little bit more challenging because there are 444 municipalities across the province and uh, our team is four people. So <laughs> uh, it's a little bit more challenging, but we are trying to get some clarity from the province um, around what does that hierarchy of authority look like so that uh, we can all understand it. So, you know, if the province has a state of emergency in place, um, does a local public health authority or a local municipality have the authority to uh, make a statement that's different from the state of emergency and that allows um, people to gather or uh, 
businesses to open that um, are currently on the closed list. Sure sounds complicated, so let's cut right through it and talk about consumer confidence. Uh, those who were thinking of traveling in their own backyard in southern Ontario this summer, are you concerned at all that there is uh, a, a, still a sort of a fear about being somewhere other than your own home in your own backyard? So we think that there probably will be, um, and we know that businesses are taking that into account. And we've been working with our membership and the different sectors within the tourism industry, so whether it's accommodators, um, attractions, museums, uh, recreational products like boating or golfing, we've been working with those sectors to develop uh, protocols um, that where they can clearly state to their customer you know, here's what we're doing to keep you safe. Um, but we would also ask that the customers take that responsibility on themselves as well as to following, you know, continuing to follow all of the protocols, to follow the physical distancing uh, requests and, uh, and where appropriate to, you know, to wear a mask. Beth, I know that a lot of the resorts and the tourist attractions around southern Ontario have very good, strong financial foundations, but there are also quite a few that are, if you don't mind me saying, they're kind of mom-and-pop organizations. This has got to be really, really tough on the families that for generations have been running these amazing, wonderful getaways in southern Ontario. Absolutely, and there is um, there is a fear uh, that there's, you know, bankruptcy is, is around the corner uh, for a lot of these smaller uh, businesses. Um, they don't necessarily want to tap into some of the uh, emergency relief because it's adding debt load to existing debt load. Um, and they are also very concerned for the staff that they hire. Um, a lot of these businesses rehire the same people every year and um, know that they are supporting, you know, another family and another family's well-being. So uh, it's not just a money uh, concern, but there is a, a human aspect uh, to the concern as well. There's also the economics of a community. If you're hiring and continuing to hire in a particular community that that the resort or the tourist attractions is in, you know, that, that's got to be tough. It's a real hit for that town's economy. Absolutely. Tourism businesses support so many other businesses in an indirect way, from gas stations to gift shops to supermarkets to farmers markets. Um, and there are so many you know, kind of main street businesses in Ontario that um, rely on the visitor to the local community in order to uh, to survive and 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 to flourish. Um, the other thing that's going to be missing this year um, is that festival or event that would naturally draw visitors to a local community that um, helps to boost the local economy when the event is on. Beth, what would you like to see from the Ontario government in terms of support? So we've been working with them um, and are looking for, uh, you know, continued support um, for these small businesses, especially those that don't fit into any of the federal category um, of relief. Uh, we are also wanting to ensure that there is clarity around the um around the authority piece of, you know, to who can open, who can't, and what you need to do and, and what you shouldn't be doing. Um, and and then as we start to open uh, some support 
around encouraging Ontarians to get out and explore the province. But first and foremost, you know, we are we're just watching those numbers every day and hoping that they uh, the number of cases continue to go down so that we can get closer to uh, emerging from this state of emergency and getting back to getting back to life and even if it is in a in a new normal. Beth, are you hopeful, optimistic, positive? Well, you know, our industry is innovative. Um, we're resilient. Um, it may look a little differently in the next couple of years um, as we uh, rebuild after uh, this crisis, but um, the people that are in our industry are phenomenal, and uh, and that's why they do what they do. They are... Uh, you know, the best ambassadors for our province that we could ask for. And so I have uh, a lot of faith in them. And I think that uh, it may take us a little bit to, to rebuild, but we will come back from this. Beth Potter, President and CEO of the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario, thank you for joining us on the feed. Thank you so much for having me. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Our focus this week is the impact of COVID-19 on travel and tourism. So why not visit a few of those familiar attractions right here at home? Our first stop, Blue Mountain. Here's Afua Ba. Without a doubt, summer of 2020 is going to look quite different due to COVID-19. And we're also wondering how will local tourism adjust? So we're looking at a popular site in Ontario that residents frequent for vacation. Joining me to chat today to talk about how this particular location is going to be adjusting is Tara Lovell, Public Relations Manager at Blue Mountain Resort. Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Alpha. Hello. Okay. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about uh, the village at Blue Mountain. Well, right now, um, certainly it's a lot different than it has been at this time last year and in previous summers. It's very quiet. Um, the resort, Blue Mountain Resort right now is closed, but there are some select restaurants and shops in the village that are slowly opening with adapted operations. Um, but we are waiting to hear what the next step in the phasal opening for the province is before we move forward in opening for the summer. Absolutely. Everyone across the province, all eyes uh, waiting for uh, phase two, if you will, and seeing how that will definitely help businesses. So on that note, how have the businesses, restaurants, um, hotels, how have they been affected by the shutdown due to COVID-19? Well, it's certainly been a challenging year, as it has been for everyone. So for the resort itself, uh, we had to shift gears really quickly in the middle of March when we closed the resort. Well, typically at that time, we would still be operating for ski season. So our ski season ended pretty quickly, and um, we've spent the last couple months thinking about how summer is going to look completely different than we planned for in previous years and had to really reimagine what a guest's experience to Blue Mountain Resort would look like. Um, we are, as you mentioned, one of the largest destinations in our region, and uh, we drive a lot of tourism to the local area. So the whole operation has had to have another look at it to see how we can manage the capacity at Blue Mountain Resort. Um, We know that we can't um, just open the doors and let the same number and volume of guests come to our area. We have to be able to account for the number of guests that are coming and do we have the capacity to support that while still supporting things like safe physical distancing. 
um, which is unique for Blue because we have such a diverse um, operation. There are, there are attractions to consider, like our, our mountain coaster, our gondola, um, and then there's lodging as well as shopping and dining and then the village itself. So it's been quite an exercise during this time for businesses and the operation overall to get creative and really start to flex that nimbleness to see how we can reopen as safely as possible when we can. Absolutely. And so I know that every like the number one question is, when can we reopen? Maybe not fully reopen the way that it was before, um, but maybe just have some sort of sense of normalcy. And, and you alluded to it earlier. Everyone is essentially looking for that next announcement um, from the provincial government as to when phase two would begin so that uh, uh, other tourist locations and our attractions can start to adjust. But maybe have some of the stores maybe begun to open in their own way with maybe adding some physical distancing measures in place? Yes, and there have been a couple of them who were able to open earlier with uh, curbside um, service where some of the restaurants and some of the stores have curbside pickup if you were able to order online. So that has been kind of, as you mentioned, it's been kind of a phased approach to reopening in that sense. Um, we do have Montero Golf that it has opened. It opened last weekend with golf given the okay to open. But even then, golf itself it looks a lot different than it has before. We have one person per cart. Um, we've removed a lot of the contact points on the course, so you can't remove the flag from the hole. There are no ball washers on the course. Those considerations have certainly been made. So when we can actually reopen is, as you said, a kind of a waiting game, but that's something Blue Mountain Resort is kind of used to in that for ski season, everything relies on when Mother Nature says okay. Um, winter is here, and being on the ready for that is, is something that, the Blue Mountain Resort team is used to. So we know that there, summer is here, the weather is, is in our favor, but we need the okay from the government. So we're working toward, if we could get that okay by, let's say, June, we want to make sure that the operation is lined up for June. Can we do that as safely as possible? Um, and planning for a phased approach, as you're mentioning, it's unlikely that we'll open up everything at the same time, um, but um, it's the exercise right now shows that we can be very careful and strategic in how we do it so that um, we are confident that we're being safe in our planning. So then could you give um, me an idea, if possible, as to how or what the new normal would look like at Blue, given if that you, you get the okay um, once we enter into that new phase? So one of the big things that's a change for Blue Mountain Resort, so... Um, those who are guests who are familiar with Blue Mountain Resort is, know that it, there's no real one entrance to the resort. Um, it's accessible from multiple areas. Um, there's a pedestrian area. Um, there are multiple parking lots. So a news um, adaptation for this time is that we are we are looking at how we can make sure guests who arrive at the resort either have a reservation, um, either a lodging or um, a dining reservation, or they have a pass to access the resort. That is very new for Blue, but we need to make sure that guests, that we can account for how many guests are going to be coming on a certain day and that we may actually have that point where we say to guests, if you can't, if you can't show your reservation or your, your pass for a Blue Mountain Resort today and we've reached that capacity, you may be asked to return on a different day. Um, so that, that is a very new big change. Um, and 
people can go to bluemountain.ca to kind of find out some more details about how that will work. And there are more details to come as we get closer to opening. Um, but that is one very big change. That And even in the pedestrian areas in the village, I know the Village uh, Association has been looking at the flow of people through that area and um, where we would have had entertainment in one location on the resort. Um, we may we may change that concept so that we don't have congregations of people in one area. Um, yeah, so that that is all going to be very new for many guests from their previous experiences at Blue. What is your message then for those who still have their calendars marked and saying they want to visit Blue Mountain this summer? Um, what's your message to them that for those that want to visit and stay there? Well, I want guests to know that the team at Blue Mountain Resort has they've been work, we've been working very hard to make sure that the next step to Blue is going has been a careful one, and we are have done our research and are carefully monitoring the situation to know that. Safety will be the priority and the next steps for reopening for summer. And if you're planning to coming to Blue Mountain this summer, um, we want you to go to the website, go to bluemountain.ca, or check out what the village is going with their shop at bluemountainvillage.ca. Make sure you familiarize yourself with some of the updates and changes um, because there are quite a few, and all of those things are there to make sure people are safe. Familiarize yourself, get to know a sense of what it will be like to come to Blue this season, and then be confident that we are considering your safety and the well-being of our community with reopening Blue Mountain Resort. All right, Tara, thank you so much, uh, Public Relations Manager for Blue Mountain Resort, for more information and to, again, familiarize yourself with uh, what the new changes that they will be implementing. Uh, head over to bluemountain.ca. Thank you again, Tara. Thank you, Appa. I'm Ann Romer. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Next on our Vacation at Home tour, Fern Resort, Tina Cortez checks in. This year, Fern Resort is marking 125 years, and Mark Downing is the president. He joins us now. First, congratulations on this milestone, Mark. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Can you give us a bit of a history lesson on Fern Resort and your family? Yeah, we're very happy to be celebrating this great milestone uh, my family, I'm fourth generation here, and uh, the fifth generation is, is, is here now um, servicing um, and welcoming guests to the property. Um, the resort was actually started by an accident. There was actually a stagecoach back in 1895 that broke down. Uh, coming down to the property, the, the people of the stagecoach uh, took a look, one look at the property and said, this is fantastic, we need to be here, and so the next year, 125 years ago, they came back and um, and uh, the resort started from that. And for those who are not familiar, where exactly is it? So we are on the east shores of Lake Kuchiching, which is just about uh, 90 miles north of Toronto, just outside of Aurelia. And what is the resort uh, like? Is it a is it a giant hotel complex? Describe it for us. Great. Um, yeah, so we have so many facilities and activities. We've got a golf course. We've got tennis courts. Um, we are what's called uh, what we call Ontario's all-inclusive. So it's, we liken it to sort of a cruise on land with a way more space. So all of your meals are included. All of our activities are included. We have um, we do have activities programs. All the facilities are up are available. Um, you have barbecues, poolside and um, evening entertainment. 
And so what was life like at the resort before COVID-19? When was your busy season, for example? Well, summer season is is absolutely the uh, the highlight for everyone, um, but we really take uh, advantage of all of the seasons. So, uh, the winter time we have our kilometer and a half skating trail. Uh, in the springtime, we have lovely walking trails. Um, but summer is when the uh, the pulse really uh, jumps. That's when we really do um, uh, a great job of of entertaining families. We're 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 perfect for families in that we offer um, everybody um, their great vacation. So um, uh, all ages are able to enjoy their vacation their way, and then the family comes together during the meal times, and then they share those experiences with each other. So the entire family gets quality vacation time as a family and in their individual interests. Now, in March, the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic. How did that change your world, your industry, your work? Well, uh, that was just instantaneous shutdown um, and, and absolutely um, like a... a we are, you know, we are we are service industry people. We uh, thrive on being close to people and servicing people. Um, and so, um, you know, when when people are used to being um, servicing people, it it uh, it's very difficult and it it it, it hits at your heart. Um, as I say, I'm fourth generation. Um, you know, welcoming people to and having the energy running around the resort. So it, it uh, it's very difficult to uh, to be sitting sort of on your hands, waiting uh, for the opportunity to to welcome guests back to the property. It's uh, it's been very difficult because resorts are are very large. There's a lot of of things that have to get up and running. And um, you don't you don't just flick a switch to uh, to start a resort up. Uh, there's training. Obviously, there's going to be new um, um, procedures in place for the staff. And and that's the other thing. Um, you know, our our staff of our our family, and and not having them here is is just as difficult as everybody's having not being able to be close to to those they they enjoy being with and love. Talk to me a little bit then about your staff and the employees. What has it been like for them? Well, uh, again, we we are people, people, and so um, you know we we try we reach out and we we make sure that um, that they're safe and that um, that they are um, they're well. Um, but uh, you know, my, my my head sports director, the day we shut down over it was March break, um, and. You know the the reality of what COVID wasn't quite hadn't quite hit home, and all of my guests were hugging my sports staff as they had to leave because we were shutting down. So this is it's it, we're we're quite a community, not just our staff and our guest, but our community with our staff and our guests. So it's it it really is um, it's difficult for everyone at this time. Do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Now what? Where do you go from here? Well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite difficult in that we don't have um, a, a clear direction, but we are moving forward that we will be open, um, and we have, uh, as part of our contingency plan, or continuity plan, um, we, we have stages as to what we believe um, 
open can look like. So um, first stage, uh, we can open up, we can offer our golf course, we can offer, offer the tennis courts, um, have lovely trails walking around the resort, and then as things loosen up, then we will be able to offer more and more services. So the dining, perhaps dining is going to be sort of more along the takeout nature because all of the meals are done through our main dining room. We don't have kitchenettes, but we could do a a takeout version of that. Um, And then as things are eased up by the government, then we'll be able to uh, roll those services out. But, of course, um, with the with the within the lens of being you know uh, of social distancing and our managers have been working over the last months putting those processes in place and and visualizing what that would look like so that we can still deliver on our product still be able to give the experience uh, but just under the new prov- uh, new guidelines. Do you think you're going to have to limit the number of people or families at the resort? Well, uh, um, unfortunately, over the last number of months, we haven't really been taking bookings. Um, we have a very solid um, repeat clientele. Um, so at this point, we actually have some, we have some good number, like we have some manageable numbers. Um, and uh, in actual fact, we, we are quite a large property. So um, at this point, I don't foresee that being a problem. Uh, we've got big facilities. We are We've got some contingencies where you know for our evening entertainment, let's say, um, we're we've got uh, we're looking into a, a video feed that will be able to portray uh, the evening entertainment into the rooms. So what we could possibly do is take bookings or share um, how many people could be in the room based on on occupancy levels, and then the rest can watch the entertainment in the in their rooms. Things like that that we're looking at. Now, what about in terms of the rooms? Have you gone through any changes, or will you have to make any changes in terms of the process for cleaning the rooms? Yeah, um, we've uh, again, as part of our, our continuity plan, we've um, we've got some guidelines on on cleaning. Uh, we've been partnering with our with our um, chemical companies who are experts in the field in, for for doing cleaning. Uh, we've been getting white papers on. Uh, from from industry on on uh, amenities that you should probably not have, such as and I um, such as coffee machines. Coffee machines are not um, are, are are things that you should be putting in in rooms. Uh, funny enough, um, and you know um, we have we have as I say we have quite a loyal clientele, and you know we always give a an alumni gift or, that we call them our alumni, and so. Um, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure out how we how we offer a gift where we're you know maybe not supposed to be giving um, items like that over. So uh, there, not everything's ironed out, but we are we have got uh, a lens to making sure that um, the property is safe and our guests are, are are well cared for. What are you most looking forward to? The energy <laughs> of our staff and our guests, the kids running around and enjoying. The, the freedom and the um, the, the spans of of our property. Uh, it's it, it's always um, when when April is usually a pretty quiet time. So you know, as those as that energy and as those uh, those um, delightful screams, so to speak, uh, ring out across the property, it uh, it really delivers on on why we do what we do. 
any indication, any idea of when Fern Resort would be open? Well, um, there, there really isn't. Uh, we've been trying to get uh, some sort of sense from uh, from government and through our associations. There really isn't much there. We've been looking at uh, the timelines. Uh, we are we are presuming that we are part of stage two, and um, so we are moving forward in that direction. Um, and so uh, and we're and so you know based on the premier's timelines of of 2 to 4 weeks uh we really do hope that by the end of june uh we will have some semblance of of open mark for you what's the silver lining in all this for you and for fern resort <laughs> uh is there really a silver lining mm-hmm. um it 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 um I don't know that there really is one. It's been it's been just really difficult to be away from guests, away from staff, um, and uh, you know we are we are we really are all about uh, community and bringing people together and and trying to visualize that. Um, it, it 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 almost goes against um, what our what what our society is telling us to do right now it's 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 difficult uh we are going to be able to uh to deliver on that but it it it's um it's not naturally in our in our um in our being to be that way if our listeners want more information where can they go where can they find it yeah we have a fabulous um uh, one uh, website that uh, that educates you on all of our seasons, and uh, we're always uh, our, our reservation uh, staff are available from eight in the morning until eleven each evening. We always answer the phone, and it's one eight hundred five six seven Fern. And they absolutely do answer the phone. It was great <laughs> to get a live voice at the other end of the call today. And thank you so much for joining us on the feed. All right, it was nice speaking with you. You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region, where we share stories, issues, and events from across York Region. Over now to Jim Lang for the possible return of your favorite sports. Join from the 105.9 The Region newsroom, veteran broadcaster and sportscaster, Sunil Joshi. Sunil, how are you? Doing well. Yourself, Jim? Good. Well, it's, it's actually getting good because um, getting back to golf. And getting back to doing things outside, uh, the PGA is about to get back, NASCAR, the MMA is back, and we now know that hockey's on the verge of coming back as well. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, you and I used to say, well, July and August, the dog days of summer, what are we going to do? Holy cow, this year, we could have the NHL training camps opening, as you mentioned, NBA, possibly in Florida, golf, as you mentioned, tennis tournaments, the Triple Crown of Racing will be going, so... It's going to be a very busy summer, and that's a good thing considering what we've just gone through the last two months. I think society as a whole needs it. Even if you're not a sports fan, people need a distraction. My sister's a, a nurse in Nova Scotia, and for a lot of people, PSWs and that, um, there's mental burnout. I mean, obviously, they need just a release. Absolutely. I mean, there's Zoom fatigue and all yeah. these things that people are doing in offices because they're working from home. They're doing Zoom uh, conferences and so on. So people want to see something completely different that's actually entertaining, and sports gives you that, and it is the ultimate reality television. That is true. Compared to some of the reality I've been forced to watch with my uh-huh. kids. Now, the the NHL has the framework, as you mentioned, the training camp, and then the plan would be early August, start the 2014 playoff, right. with the Leafs taking Columbus in the first round. 
that's one thing. The NBA is really looking hard at using the uh, Disney Sports World in Orlando, which is an incredible complex. It has the infrastructure with dining facilities, hotel facilities, everything to host all the playoff teams. It actually would make sense for the NBA. Oh, absolutely, because if you've ever been there, it's actually separate from Walt Disney World, the, the tourist attraction. I mean, in itself, it's an attraction because it's got golf courses, restaurants, as you mentioned, and massive sports complex, the wide world, wide world of sports complex is there. I mean, they hold tournaments there. They hold basketball tournaments. They hold baseball tournaments. And two major league teams use that as their spring training site. So it's it's literally a country unto its own. And, and for people wondering, well, why is that not all happening in Toronto? There, it, because of the restrictions on travel, logistically, to make people quarantine 14 days, it's it's it can't it can't work. They're going to have to find one place, quarantine everybody, then start play. And worry about it after the fact, because that's the only way they're going to be able to host team sports now. Exactly. If if this 14-day quarantine continues, then what's going to have to happen, as we mentioned, if training camps open in the middle of July, well, then we'll backdate that to July 1st, which is Canada Day. That means all of those teams have to be in Canada as of July 1st for that two-week quarantine, then training camp, then the tournament, and that's asking a whole lot. Now, the team sport we haven't mentioned by purpose is Major League Baseball. They've had many machinations about how they would like to return to sports. There was a hope that they'd be back the 4th of July. Right now, they are at complete loggerheads over dollars and cents and money, and it's getting ugly in social media. It's getting ugly in private, in meetings, in public, with the media. I I just don't know how they're going to resolve it. This is as nasty as I've seen it with baseball, Sunil. They have had a history of years, of decades, of being nothing but acrimonious, and this is just another example that one would hope as has been the case in the most, that on, at the 11th hour, the 11th minute, they will come to some kind of an agreement and they'll get baseball done. Otherwise, it'll get lost because with everything else that I mentioned that's going to go on. Well, and here's the, the double-edged sword for baseball if they, they mess this up. So now the NHL is already getting a lot of plaudits from American media going, hey, they've, they've got a plan here. I like this. Exactly. The NBA is about to start. Golf will be back. And then the fall sports start. I mean, looking ahead to November, they are predicting a November weekend because of the change of the Masters with on a Sunday where you'd have NHL hockey, NFL football, CFL football, and the majors. Like Augusta National, the final round on the same day. Exactly. And imagine if there's no baseball or World Series to talk about at that same time because Baseball has lost its World Series once, and we know what a disaster that turned out to be. And, it's Neil, more than ever, 1994 was one thing. But considering all the people who have been financially almost at the point of ruin over this, to, to have a big squabble over money, I, I just can't understand how they don't see the, the lunacy in this. And it, in essence, it's again, it's the little person that's going to get hurt. It's the stadium workers. It's the, the ticket takers. Yeah. I mean, all of those people that... Uh, have basically been put on hold because season would have started a long time ago, uh, are, are not going to get their money, and they sure as heck aren't going to go to other sports to then become stadium vendors at arenas because that's already been taken care of. It, it has. So while baseball sorts it out, the NHL have a framework. I know players are they're starting to get their minds working about their workouts and when they're going to be back. And in early June, they'll be back in small groups in their respective facilities. Uh, basketball as well, and uh, yeah, in a couple of weeks we'll be doing PGA updates from Fort Worth, Texas, as the golf season will be back. 
And fans or no fans, I mean, I know for my friends who are all golf fans, we just want to see it back on TV. Exactly. I mean, we saw the success of last weekend's the wow. match, which was unbelievable. So imagine if there's real competition. <laughs> yes, indeed. Sunil Joshi from the 105.9 The Region Newsroom. Now time to take a look at golf in York Region. Golf is back and nowhere better to look at than Angus Glenn in Markham. Not only is it one of the best golf courses in the region, it's always noted as one of the top golf courses in the entire country. Angles Glen Golf Club on Kennedy Road in Markham. Thrilled to be joined by Kelly Whalen, the Director of Sales and Marketing for Angus Glen, as they are happy to be back open and so is everyone in York Region. Kelly, how you doing? Doing great now. It's uh it's been uh, a little bit different thinking about uh, uh the COVID experience and now that we're open, uh, we're finding that a lot of the stipulations are working well, it's smooth, social distancing is set in place, and uh, a lot of people are enjoying the game they love. You know, Kelly, for a long time, before the green light was given by the province, I would be driving by something like Angus Glen or Cardinal or name the golf course around York Region. You could see the, the greenskeepers. I mean, the place looked amazing. They were ready. How ready are you guys? It, I mean, this is unusual to have this much time before you actually get to open and have people on the course. Yeah, we were uh, we were ready to, as you said, the maintenance crews were able to get back in uh, uh, into work, uh, get ready for the opening day. We've had a lot of people from different departments helping out on the greens crew, so thanks to all of them. I think uh, once we saw the golfers come in, um, we found out very quickly that people were chomping at the bit to get out on the course. So um, it, it's it, it's great to see. Uh, again, there's a lot of different things that are happening because of the COVID situation. Uh, but it's the it's the best place to be to social distance and still get the exercise in and play the game you love. You know, Kelly, Angus Glen has always set the bar very high for the golf courses in the country. So for people who have, like myself who have golfed there before and haven't been yet this year, when they arrive at the course, walk us through a, a few of the first initial steps before the tee-off, how it's different this year. Yeah, quick touch points are um, we're not asking anybody to uh, show up before 20 minutes before the tee time. There's no driving range quite yet. There's no putting green to practice on quite yet. Uh, stay in your car and then bring your bags up to the golf cart area uh, 15 minutes before you tee off. We go through a run of rules. The carts are spaced out more than six feet apart. Uh, all the carts have been sanitized. Um, and uh, basically just going over the rules and regulations for the golf game as it stands right now. Uh, you don't have to pick your ball up out of the hole. We, we do have uh, an option to... Uh, uh, decrease the touch points on the green. Uh, there's no bunker rakes out there. Uh, we're, we're going uh, uh, through with a 15-minute tee time spacing uh, to keep everybody uh, away from each other as much as possible. And, of course, uh, right now we're running with one golfer per cart. And I heard, Kelly, that a lot of golf courses are keeping the flag stick in. Is that, I guess that's the same for Angus Glenn? Yep, I think that's uh, status quo uh, everywhere. Uh, the golfers are uh, uh, told not to touch the pin flags at all. Uh, don't look for bunker rates because they're not out there. Um, so, again, just decreasing any touch points uh, that would normally be uh, the way to uh, uh, play a round of golf, um, although they're not, they're not too uh, crazy. Uh, please come out, play golf. Um, you'll, you'll find after your first round that it isn't uh, – uh, uh, too, too much of a change, and I think people uh, that have come out are coming back uh, 
almost every other day right now. So people are, are obviously playing a lot of golf. Well, especially with some of the weather we're having, it's conducive to perfect conditions for golf, Kelly. And, and let's face it, unless you are a, a plus handicap, I mean, how much difference is it going to make in your score if some of these if safety rules are in place? I can't see how it's going to change you from a, a, a high 80s to a high 70s. That's not what we're talking about here. No, it's a, it is it. The game isn't affected that much. Uh, if anything, it's, it's giving uh, the golfers a little bit more space on course. And I think from what I understand, uh, that's exactly what everybody looks for uh, any given time. Plus, just being outside. I mean, Angus Glen visually outside, the grounds, the trees, the old creeks. It's, it's a natural, beautiful space. It must just feel good to be out there again. That's exactly the feedback coming back from everybody. They've all had a great round thus far. Um, again, I think a lot of people were just wanting to get out of the house. Uh, and again, once the golf courses amongst some other facilities were able to be open, uh, as per the premier, uh, it's, it's, it's something that's very welcomed. And again, there's a lot of, lot of smiles on the faces out there. And again, people are coming back, uh, not just once or twice a week, but they're playing multiple times. Speaking with Kelly Whaling, Director of Sales and Marketing for Angus Glen Golf Club, a, a Markham Canadian golf institution now. And one of the things that people get used to in the course is you get hungry, you get thirsty. There's the beverage cart that drives around. Is is that still a, a part of the golf experience at Angus Glen? Beverage carts, as of right now, we're not running with them. Again, just uh, decreasing the touch points. We do have uh, stations set up on course and a uh, food and beverage option to have uh, food delivered to you on course. So we do have options for food and beverage. Uh, we wouldn't be Angus Glen if we weren't doing that. Um, but, again, it's just uh, we to, just to get a handle on things as we go through the first couple of weeks. Uh, we wanted to see how uh, the feedback was. Uh, and, again, when the Premier opens up some more uh, uh, potential possibilities, we'll, we'll start to institute some more services. Yeah, and if, you're, if you want to go to Angus Glen and check out their world-class golf course, make sure you're not wearing too tight pants like Tom Brady did the other day and they split when you're bending over to get your ball. That's a could be embarrassing. The one thing that you know golfers are so used to, Kelly, is a tradition. You finish the round, you take off your hat, and you shake hands. But we, we can't do that now until further notice. No, exactly. I even saw them on the match to Tiger Woods and uh, Brady and alike. Uh, if you want to celebrate a nice shot, uh, you know, we have to forego the handshakes, the fist bumps, um, uh, keep that six-foot minimum distancing between people. And, uh, you know, a good uh, nice shot or way to go uh, from six feet away is just as nice. A little bit something to get used to, but... Um, that's the way things are right now. No, look, I mean, the fact that we are allowed to even be back on the golf course, Kelly, if we have to institute a few common sense rules to be safe so we're all allowed to stay golfing, I'm all for it because I don't want anyone to ruin it and take us off the golf course. And we can't wait to see you uh, play in the near future, and uh, we are open for business, so please come by. That's right. Okay, for more details, AngusGlenn.com. You can't miss it. Kennedy Road in Markham. Uh, also on social media, how can they get a hold of you, Kelly? Uh, we've got an Instagram account, we've got Facebook, we have specials going starting up uh, soon, uh, and again, the phone number, 905-887-5157. Uh, the Pro Shop staff will be able to take care of you. Check it out. Kelly Whaling from Angus Glen Golf Club. Uh, it's one of the top golf courses, not just in the region. If you've ever had a chance to golf it, you realize it's one of the best in the country. That's why they've held the Canadian Open there and they had the Pan Am Golf there because it's that good. Kelly, really appreciate you taking the time, and it's just awesome to talk golf again in York Region. Appreciate the opportunity. Look forward to seeing you on the links. We'll do, Kelly. Take care. For the very latest developments on COVID-19 and exclusive updates from York Region's Medical Officer of Health, go to 1059theregion.com. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.